The Daily Rios, Episode 569, Favorite Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Season 4 Episodes. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter, here with a regular episode, not a digest episode, a regular, old-fashioned, the Daily Rios episode. The great Star Trek watch or rewatch continues, even if it's been two years since my last drop. This is uh, Deep Space Nine Season 4, which ran from October of 1995 to June of 1996. So this is now the second time that I've rewatched this particular season. And obviously many of these episodes are new to me because I was not one that was consistent when Deep Space Nine was coming out because I was in college at the time. So uh, there are a lot of episodes that I just have never seen before. So all of these notes for season four were wrapped up back in 2020. But then, you know, I got 2020 as as the whole world got 2020'd, and I sat on these notes for a long time, which meant that I had to do a rewatch of the rewatch. So Deep Space Nine Season 4, it runs alongside Voyager Season 2, which will be my next Star Trek episode whenever uh, whenever I... Unfortunately, I have to rewatch that again, too, even though I have notes unfortunately. Um, Okay, so that will be my next Star Trek episode. It won't be my next episode, but you know, whenever I'm done with that, I will return to the world of Star Trek. But this is about Deep Space Nine season four. This is a very strong season. Uh, You know, as I go through to pick my particular favorites, there are just so many that I really like, or I at least can recognize how strong they are. Not to say that there aren't any clunkers, because there are, but overall, a really good season. Not my favorite. Uh, Season 2 still ranks up there as my favorite season so far. And even with how good this season is, I I don't know if it has uh, episodes that are absolutely amazing. It just has really good episodes, you know? And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that this season stepped away from the Dominion story a bit and focused more on the Klingons with the addition of Worf and this odd feeling that we're in some kind of interlude with everything that is going on with the Dominion. And this feeling that I had while I was watching it was confirmed. Uh, I'm not doing a lot of research, but just, you know, an overview of the season I wanted to read about. And yes, the creators felt the same way. They were fully intending to jump into the into the Dominion more with this season, um, but they were told by the higher ups that they needed to shake things up. So they came up with this Klingon focus, and it really became kind of like a tangent story to what they were hoping to do. 
um, because I'm still waiting for this war to begin. I know we got three more seasons, but it's like, come on, let's let's get to it, right? Um, but it's still a solid season. It should be a solid season. It's season four of a series. Um, in a way, maybe it feels like like TNG season five or six, one of those seasons that that are really good, you know, but um, it's not the best season, you know. Unfortunately, I don't, you know, Deep Space Nine hasn't had a TNG season four yet or season three, you know. It, it's had some good episodes and some good stories. Um, it's just consistent. This series is just, it's really consistent. So let's hit a couple points uh, to talk about generally about this season remember i'm not doing any kind of research so this is all just pure reaction you know those of you who are are larger star trek fans or you do a lot of the background research you're going to know the answers to these things i'm not really here for that i'm just here to gen talk generally you know um, so that you can have an episode to casually listen to and go, oh yeah, I remember that episode, or oh yeah, I kind of want to watch that again. So anyway, this season, as I said, it's all about the Klingons. Eventually, it becomes about the Klingons versus the Cardassians. You know, the fear of the Dominion has certainly ramped up, but there's nothing major that happens except for a few episodes. Uh, as I mentioned, we get Worf. Uh, and we get some really great scenes with Worf with everybody uh, throughout the season. Worf and Dax flirting, Worf and Odo butting heads, but then eventually finding a mutual respect. Worf and the station, you know, he's not used to being on a station like this. He's used to a, a flagship shiny spaceship, you know. Uh, in this season, we get Odo's feelings for Kira. Uh, they really start to come into play. Bajor wants to be in the Federation even more. There's not a lot of Bajor stuff, not a lot of Bajor religious stuff. Um, we find out that Goldcott has a daughter, so we get the character of Tora Zial. Uh, we get this odd notion that Goldcott or Mark Alamo, the actor, wants Goldcott to kind of be in love with Kira. That's odd. Um, we get Lita and Rom. We get Nog going into Starfleet. Rom no longer working for the bar. Uh, the O'Briens continue to be the worst. In fact, this season really puts them over the edge for me. Um, there's a point in this season where he tries to commit suicide. And Keiko is having a second child. Uh, Worf, by the end of the season, is no longer recognized by the Klingon Empire again. By the end of the season, Quark has been cast out from his people. And Odo has been cast out by his people, uh, he no longer is able to shapeshift by the end of the season. It's a lot of shakeups. It's a lot of shakeups of all these characters. So here are my particular favorites. They may not be the best. They may not be the high points of the season, but they are the ones that I enjoyed. So here is the list. Uh, the two-part opener, Way of the Warrior, uh, episode 5, Indiscretion, Episode 8, Little Green Men, Episode 11, Homefront, Episode 12, Paradise Lost, those are, that's another two-parter there. Uh, episode 16, Bar Association, uh, Episodes 22 and 23, For the Cause and To the Death, and then the final two episodes, 
25 and 26, Body Parts and Broken Link. If you've heard one of these episodes before, you know I'm not going to go in deep. I'm not going to give you major plot points for each episode. I'm just doing really fast bullet point uh, reactions um, of, of things that that I catch as I'm watching it. And as I've mentioned before in other episodes, I like the larger story narrative stuff, sometimes more than the individual issue, uh, episodes that might focus on just like a random story. So uh, a lot of these choices might just feel, you know, common, I guess you could say. So let's start with the two-parter, Way of the Warrior. Curzon told me once that in the long run, the only people who can really handle the Klingons are Klingons. Get me Starfleet Command. It's a really strong two-part opener. We get preparations of the station for the Dominion, a lot of fortifications and drills. Uh, but they are not the only, Starfleet isn't the only one up uh, gearing up for a fight because the Klingons have arrived, and all of the tensions that they bring has Cisco call in Worf, and we get Worf in the show finally. Uh, and I have to wonder what the reactions were at the time. You know, if you were watching this episode with no prior knowledge, were you like, oh my God, it's Worf, you know? Uh, you know, and so I have to question then, what does Worf bring to the series? And that's something we find out in this season and for the later seasons. Um, obviously a connection to TNG. Uh, we get uh, the beginnings of a larger conflict. And it's just really great to see how he slowly meets all of the characters and how we get some really good scenes, like a, a good scene between Worf and Odo, uh, especially how they are basically outcasts from their people. A really good scene with Cisco and Worf, which is a parallel to the scene that Cisco had with Picard in the very, you know, in the premiere episode of the entire series. You know, this doubt about where those characters belonged in Starfleet and maybe there's some kind of higher purpose. All of this puts Worf in the middle of uh, Starfleet and the Klingons once again, and he's the one who finds out the truth that the Klingons are restless and they're using the Dominion as an excuse to go back to being an empire. And they, they want to conquer and they want to start with Cardassia. So in part two, they pull from the Federation. The peace treaty has ended. It's all very similar to politics of today. And it just feels like things are dismantling and, and, you know, that the founders are probably behind it all. So the Klingons are going to attack Cardassia. Uh, the Deep Space Nine crew find a way to warn them through Garrick, which is a really great scene. And we get Gowron, who I always love. And he feels a little too Gowron-y right now. I don't exactly remember. I didn't remember what happened as I was watching these early episodes, but we'll find out later. Uh, and again, it's just a way to get... The, the Klingon story in TNG and Deep Space Nine is just so strong. And when they're here, it just feels very Star Trek, even if it is a tangent away from the larger Deep Space Nine uh, story. But, you know, between all this, then we get some interesting... Um, pairings like like Cisco and Ducat, um, Quark and Garrick have a really great scene about what it's like to be members of the Federation. Um, eventually, there's a battle 
on Deep Space Nine, and the station holds its own. Holds its own. Uh, it's a pretty intense battle. I mean, Kira gets stabbed, and again, I have to wonder: Did anybody think, hmm, could some of these lead characters maybe die in this opening two-parter? Eventually, it all wraps up with the Klingons in Cardassian space. Worf is now wearing Command Red, and he decides to stay on the station. And um, a good scene between Worf and O'Brien about how, you know, the Enterprise that he knew is gone, and it feels like a very, it feels like a commentary on how different this show is to TNG. And uh, we get to see uh, Worf on, on The Defiant, which is great, because there's going to be a lot of history there as well. So it's a very strong opener. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Okay, then we get to episode five, Indiscretion. The head of the occupation. In love with a Bajoran. Ironic, isn't it? Did your wife know? No. And she's never going to find out. Now, if you don't mind, Major, I'd rather not talk about this right now. This is the episode where Kira and Dukat go on a mission to look for uh, a wreck, a ship wreckage that might house Cardassians and and Bajorans, and we find out that Dukat has a half Bajoran daughter. And I love the character of Dukat. Mark Alamo is is such a strong actor, and uh, I think he really is one of those characters that helps to elevate the show. And I, I've seen this episode before, so I knew the outcome. Um, but it just has some really good scenes. A scene between Cisco and Kira um, about cooperation between Cardassians and, and Bajor. Uh, always good to see Cisco and Kira's relationship grow. That's something I've been watching over these seasons. Dukat, again, so good. You know, he's always playing the long game. And he's always trying to needle his way in uh, to Kira's good graces. And certainly by the end of this episode and future episodes, uh, with everything having to do with Torres Yao, I mean, it, it just, you can just see him working her. Now, in this episode, Dukat wants to kill his daughter because he feels like his standing with the government has made him, with his new civilian government, has made him a target. And he doesn't want her to grow up with a lot of the outcast nature nature that she's going to face because she is half Cardassian and half uh, Bajoran. So that's the conflict. And eventually it all, you know, works out well in the end. Um, there's a funny scene where Dukat gets a thorn in his butt. And uh, again, it's just, it's a... It's not a like fantastic episode, but whenever you get into the minds of some of these characters, I really, I really like it. It's a spotlight on Dukat, and I'm always up for those episodes. Even the B plot is good. Uh, so Cisco has a new girlfriend named Cassidy, and she's basically a ship runner, um, and or a supply runner, and she wants to change jobs to be closer to Cisco, and he freaks out. And I'm watching it, going, "Wow, you know this." These kind of personal situations weren't necessarily explored in other Trek series, not to this degree. So it's nice to have a B-plot that is also dealing with character and that is also uh, welcomed and enjoyable. Okay, episode eight, Little Green Men. 
I'd always heard primitive humans lacked intelligence, but I had no idea they were this stupid. They weren't just stupid. They were violent, petty, bigoted, and selfish. And we're stuck here with them. Maybe for the rest of our lives. The three of us and millions of primitive humans. I like those odds. This is a silly episode. I thought it was going to be an honorable mention, but then as I watched it for the second or third time, I was like, no, I like this, uh, you know? And I always like when they spotlight the Ferengi characters because, again, like Dukat, like Garrick, they are some of my favorites on the show. So Quark and his brother Rom are escorting uh, Nog to Earth because Nog wants to enroll in Starfleet Academy. I think that was something that happened in last season, I think. So um, they are accidentally sent back in time to 1947 and become the supposed alien invaders uh, as part of the Roswell incident. And this episode gets entirely cheesy. I mean, the Earth people are awfully betrayed. It's a lot of stock characterization going on, but I have to imagine a lot of that was purposeful. I just like Rom and Quark and their dynamic and how they relate to each other, um, and that this show is constantly talking about families, you know, whether it's this family or Jake and Cisco uh, or Jake and Benjamin, or, you know, we're going to meet Benjamin's father coming up soon. So unlike other shows, they allow for a little more humor and a little more of this family stuff, which I enjoy. So this episode is just, it's, it's silly. It's, there's nothing really to it other than it's just a silly episode, but I liked it. Okay, then we go to 11 and 12, another two-parter, Homefront and Paradise Lost. But what you're asking me to do is wrong. You can't go around making people prove they are who they say they are. That's no way to live. And I'm not going to go along with it. This two-parter reminded me of the two-parter, I think, from last season um, that featured the Bell Riots, where it's a commentary on Star Trek and the Federation and Starfleet, but it is very much holding a mirror to everything that could go on, could be going on uh, in, um, you know, the world at that time, but also here now in 2022 as well. So uh, Cisco is brought to Earth by an admiral that, of course, turns out to be, you know, crazy or or just um, power hungry because there was a terrorist attack on Earth, uh, apparently perpetrated by changelings. And so while he's there, he brings Jake along. He brings Odo along. They go and uh, see uh, his father, uh, Joe Cisco in New Orleans, and it's played by the actor uh, known as Brock Peters, who also played Admiral Cartwright in uh, Undiscovered Country. Um, and we get a, a whole bunch of Starfleet stuff here. There's a new Federation president. They're trying to push for blood screenings. Um, they're trying to isolate Earth uh, they're trying to get families to take tests. And this is the stuff that gets back to Cisco's dad because he feels like this is all just way too overbearing, way too militaristic or totalitarian or whatever. Um, it plays with that notion that Cisco talked about in one of the Maquis episodes about how Earth 
can feel a little too special because they're not used to terrorist attacks and there is no hunger and there is no war and they are blinded by their view of Earth as a paradise, which I have to imagine is why the second episode is called Paradise Lost. The Admiral, of course, wants to even consider removing the president or taking over uh, operations on Earth while the Dominion threat as, is at large. Of course, Cisco doesn't want this, but then the power goes out all over Earth. We find out in the second episode that it's orchestrated by this Admiral, and um, it's just a way to create almost martial law, you know. Again, a little too close to home for my liking as I was watching it. And then in the second episode, we find out who was really behind all of the power uh, going out and why the power went out and what kind of mission that this group called Red Squad might have been on. Um, it's all a front to fortify Earth under Starfleet. Eventually, it's going to work out and they expose the Admiral for what he's really doing. There's a scene where the president says, Starfleet officers committing sabotage? And I was like, okay, does this president even watch Star Trek? It's always a crooked admiral that's up to some no good. You know, it's always an admiral that turns out to be the one that you should have been watching all along. We do get a scene between uh, Cisco and a changeling in the shape of O'Brien. And we learn some information from this shapeshifter almost feels like the Mr. X scene in JFK. And he reveals to Cisco that there are only four changelings on Earth at this time. But look at what they were able to cause, you know, during all this. It, it was an odd, eerily connection uh, to the Cylons in, you know, the later BSG Battlestar Galactica reboot where, um, you know, Ronald Moore is, is where he got to cut his teeth on a series like this and TNG, and then later uh, on to Battlestar Galactica. But it, that, it felt like that, you know. And then O'Brien says to him, in the end, it's your fear that will destroy you. So it's all very, um, it's all very January 6th. It's all very, you know, people trying to move personnel to different positions as a way to uh, build up strength and to take over. It's all very scary. And um, it's good. It's like finally we're, you know, we're getting an episode that deals with the Dominion to some degree. Eventually it ends. I'm not even certain what kind of consequences the Admiral faces, you know? It's like, oh, sure, he gets to walk away. And there's some follow-up, but nothing major. But I still enjoyed uh, that two-parter. All right, then we go to episode 16, Bar Association. Strike a blow against Clark. Yes. Strike a blow against the FCA. Yes. Strike a blow against exploitation. Yes. Are you with me? Another semi-humorous episode. Uh, this is the one where all of the employees of Quark's bar go on strike because they feel like he is treating them poorly. Lita has a lot to do in this. She's one of the Dabo girls that works at the bar. Uh, she This is apparently her third appearance. And uh, it's, you know, by the end of it, Rom decides that he is no longer going to work for the bar because he has 
secretly made a deal with Quark that, yes, Quark is going to give them everything they want, uh, you know, because it's against Ferengi tradition and the rules to even talk about a union. Um, but what happens is we get a character played by Jeffrey Combs, who's going to be amazing coming up soon, named Brunt. I can't remember if we've seen him before. And he works for the Ferengi uh, something, you know, commerce something or whatever. Um, and he feels that Quark has been too light on his workers and is just going against the rules of the Ferengi. So he's threatening to take away his bar and all this stuff. So, uh, but Rom is, you know, he's like, no, we need this union. I want this for our people. I want vacation time. I want money, blah, blah, blah. So before it all comes crashing down, that's where they make this secret pact. And Quark says, okay, I'm going to do all of this. And then it's just, it's so cool at the end, Rom's like, okay, I got what I wanted. Now I'm going to go work for, um, I think he works for like just some, not security for Bajor, but just he, he starts wearing a Bajor uniform uh, and he's going to become something, some kind of worker uh, on the station because he has, he has skills like that. The second plot has to do with Worf and, you know, again, still trying to fit in on Deep Space Nine. Um, he decides that he's going to move on to the Defiant by the end of this. Um, there's a funny scene where he realizes that someone has robbed him and he says to Odo, you know, none of this ever happened on the Enterprise, you know. I just think it's funny that he's so, he's so uptight, um, uh, in his appearance in this episode, but it, it works. And we get some sparks between him and Dax, and, you know, I know I know that that's going to play out later. So it's a very enjoyable episode. Characters get moved from one place to another in this episode, so that's, I think, probably why I liked it. Okay, then we get to episode 22, For the Cause. It's come to our attention that there may be a Maquis smuggler here on the station. Oh. It's just a theory at this point, and frankly, our suspicions are based on purely circumstantial evidence. And who is it? Again, we're still not certain. I understand that. Who? Gentlemen? Cassidy Yates. This is a Maquis episode. Um, the head of securities, Odo, and uh, my commander... Uh, Eddington are throwing the blame at Cassidy. They think that she is an accomplice of the Maquis. Then it turns out, nope, it it's actually Eddington who has been around for, what, a season and a half by now. And I forgot where his character's journey was going to go. I thought he was a shapeshifter, but we find out, no, he is part of the Maquis. That is still going on. And it's just interesting to see Cisco uh, absorb this information that it might be his girlfriend and what they have to do to try to um, discover whether she is or not. It turns out that she is. It's just she's not the one that they really should have been looking out for. It was Eddington all along. Once he reveals himself at the end, he has a good scene with Cisco where he's talking about... Um, how the Federation is just assimilating people and cultures. And it feels very much like what the Klingons say in Star Trek Discovery, 
But I guess, you know, the Maquis at this point, they're looking at the larger picture, everything that's going on with the Klingons and Cardassia and the Dominion War, and they just feel, it just feels like um, everything they say about the Federation is coming true. I don't know if we see Eddington again. Uh, I think we do. I don't need an answer to that. I'll discover it as we go. And then the beep story to this episode is about Garrick and uh, Zial meeting at, because they're the only Cardassians on uh, the station, and Kira's not too happy about that, but everything comes to uh, some kind of resolution by the end of the episode. We then go to episode 23, To the Death. The Dominion has endured for 2,000 years and will continue to endure long after the Federation has crumbled into dust. But we leave that to history. Right now, we have a more pressing concern. Jeffrey Combs as Weyoun. Oh, he is such a good character. He's such a good character and he's such a good actor, which is clearly evident because Star Trek keeps bringing him back uh, season after season, show after show. So in this episode, the Jem'Hadar and Starfleet team up because they have to destroy a gateway that some renegade Jem'Hadar are using. And this is a gateway that dates back to an episode of TNG uh, from season two with the Iconians. And it, the first of all, the episode is awesome. The upper pylon gets attacked on the station, totally destroyed. You know, we're right back in with the Dominion. We find out that it is renegade Jem'Hadar. Um, so we get to see a lot of confrontations between like Worf and a Jem'Hadar, how Sisko controls his troops versus the way that Weyoun controls uh, his Jem'Hadar. It's basically the war creeping in and everyone gets to have their say about this whole entire situation, which is really what I like and what I think most people probably like about the remaining three seasons. Because not everybody is in agreement on how to do things. Certainly not O'Brien. And then now you got Worf in the mix and Odo. So uh, this kind of episode brings out a lot of those tensions. And I, it just makes it such an enjoyable episode. We also get to learn a lot about the Jem'Hadar in this episode. That there are no women that they never reach the age beyond 15 or 20. They don't sleep. Uh, we get some scenes between Weyoun and Odo and what the founders feel about Odo, you know, not going into the Gamma Quadrant. Um, Weyoun is, God, he's so good in this. I laugh. His reactions to the traditions that the Jem Hadar always go through when it comes to um, you know, getting the white, the drug that they're addicted to, or when they're ready to uh, go into battle. I mean, it's just, it, it, there's some funny moments in it uh, because of that, and also with Starfleet as well. Um, eventually, Wayun gets killed, but, you know, he'll be back. And it's a good, you know, we as quickly as the Jem'Hadar were introduced as some really major badasses, we also get a lot of episodes um, quite soon, not only in this season, but in previous seasons, to show that there's more to them, which I appreciate. Otherwise, they would just be, I don't know, they would just be like Borg, almost two, one note. Um, but we get to learn things about them. Um, I don't know how all that plays out, though, and I'll be real interested to see what becomes of them during the war. So we go to episode 25, Body Parts. 
Look, I've broken the contract, so do your job. Take my assets, revoke my Ferengi business license, do whatever you have to do, then get out. And if I ever see you walk into my bar again, yes, you won't walk out. You give me an episode focusing on Quark, and chances are I'm going to like it. You know, the, Armin Shimmerman, the actor, he is solid, and he just knows how to play the character, and um, it allows for some interesting explorations. In this episode, Quark thinks he's dying, so he's going to sell off his remains as a way to, uh, you know, make some money, um, but then it finds out, it turns out that he's he's perfectly fine, and then he either has to give up his contract of his remains, or he has to um, he has to die and and go through with the contract. And of course, the person that holds the rights to his remains is again uh, Brunt, Jeffrey Combs, back again in almost back to back episodes, which is kind of strange. So uh, it were it turns out that. Um, you know, he's obviously not going to kill himself, but Quark uh, decides to stand up for himself, even if it means being cast from, you know, Ferengi society. And by the end, nobody, Brunt takes all of his stuff out of the bar. No Ferengi can work for him. Um, but it's Quark sticking up for himself and saying, look, okay, if I got to go against traditions to live, that's what I'm going to do. When there was a point that Quark was like, maybe I will go through having someone kill me, he gets Garrick to do it. And they talk about all the many ways that Garrick could do it. And it's it's so funny to see Garrick, see his face kind of light up because he gets to be an assassin again after all this time. Um, and then at the end, we get this Rudy moment, I guess, where um, all the people in the station, now that Quark doesn't, now that Quark's bar is totally empty, they bring in liquor, they bring in glasses, they bring in furniture, and basically they're restoring the bar for, for Quark. And there's a really good scene between Quark and Rom where Rom is saying, see, Quark, you do have assets, and they are your friends. And uh, it's good. It's, it's just a good, it's good. It's a good story. It's a good episode. Now, the second story is not so good, and it involves Keiko and her pregnancy. There was an accident so Bashir has to put her baby into Kira, and Kira is now going to be a surrogate surrogate mother, which means we get some scenes with her and the O'Briens, and I'm just like, bleh. And she's going to live with the O'Briens. Now, apparently, this is because um, uh, Nana Visitor, who played Kira, she was pregnant at the time, so that's why they wrote this story in for this last episode here, or last couple episodes but, um, you know, again, I am not a fan. Of, you, I have not talked about episodes with the O'Briens. I have not talked about episodes with um, Dax. I have not talked about episodes with Bashir. Because, again, those three characters, they are oddly uh, just not full of potential. They have episodes that feature them. Um, and maybe one or two of them might be on my honorary list. But overall... They work as secondary and third tertiary characters, but as as lead characters, I don't care for them at all. Which brings us to the final episode, 26, Broken Link. What have you done to him? He has been judged. Captain, 
I'm reading a heart, lungs, and a digestive system. It's as if he were human. We gave him what he wanted. We made him solid. He's one of you now. So, of course, we finally get back to the Dominion. Odo is going through some kind of sickness, and he can't hold his form, which means they have to take him to the Gamma Quadrant to kind of figure out what is going on, and Garrick goes with them as well. While this is going on, Gowron is really pushing for war, uh, not only with the with the Cardassians, but with the Federation. And it's uh, another scene where we get just a bunch of different characterization things and some scenes between characters a really good fight scene between Garrick and uh, Worf you know the whole reason Garrick wants to go with is because the he wants to get information on the Obsidian Order and he wants to know if there are any survivors that was something that happened in I guess season three and he wants to destroy the founders once they find their new homeworld and Worf is going to stop them and uh, by the end, he's going to get six months in a cell. But they have this really good fight where <laughs> Worf says to him, hmm, you fight well for a tailor. Rene Abergenois is really good in this episode. You can tell he has a lot of theater training. In the beginning, when he has to go through all of that pain, he is so physical, right? Usually he's such a... Uh, Odo is kind of like a, a very vertical character. He's very still, very sure of himself. But when uh, Rene gets to actually physicalize other things, he has really good body language. Like when you see that moment of him writhing in pain, um, it's good. It's 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 really good. So I, I liked him in this episode. And then by the end, he is judged because he harmed another changeling in last season. And they decide the the great link decides to break him away and turn him into human, except for his face. They want him to remember his people. And then uh, the whole season wraps up at the end where Odo's like, Cisco, when I was in the Great Link, I learned some things, and one of the things that I learned is that Gowron is a changeling. Dun-dun-dun. Or is he, right? Um, but yeah, that sets up the whole ending and puts a whole spin on everything that's been going on with the Klingons. So a really good ending, not a, not necessarily a cliffhanger, but I'm hoping that season five, uh, jump starts, um, really what I, what I want out of this series. So I mentioned an honorable mention, uh, list. Um, let's see, episode six, Rejoined. This is, is a Dax-focused episode where she meets a previous wife, uh, Dr. Lenara Khan, and uh, it is played by Susanna Thompson, who is uh, Oliver Queen's mother on Arrow. She is stunning. She is, the only reason it's an honorable mention is because she is so good in this uh, episode. She's such a good actress, so underrated. The episode itself is not terribly well-directed. It is the first episode directed by Avery Brooks. And there are a lot of scenes that feel a little stiff compared to other episodes I've watched. It is also the episode that has um, a same-sex kiss, which was something major for Star Trek. Episode 14, Return to Grace. This is an episode where 
Ducat is uh, now just basically uh, a pilot of a freighter, a captain of a freighter, but then he goes up against some Klingons and he wants to restore himself within the Cardassian government. Um, it's a okay episode. There's a lot of stuff with Tora Zial again. There's some stuff with Kira and Ducat. Uh, it was a good episode, but it didn't make my best of list. Episode 15, Sons of Moog, gets the return of Kern, Worf's brother, who is also feeling out of sorts because he has now been cast away. Since Worf has been cast out, so has uh, Kern and all of Worf's family, who I'm always like, who is Worf's family? Why don't we meet more of them? And then by the end, they decide to basically uh, mine Jammy Whammy uh, Kern so that he is put into another family because he really wants to just have Worf kill him because he feels like he has no place in the Empire. Episode 17, Ascension, and episode 20, Shattered Mirror, are the other two honorable mentions. Ascension is uh, basically uh, another Bajoran comes into play and believes that he is the emissary, so of course Sisko has to wrestle with his emotions about wanting to be Starfleet, but also he has this responsibility as the emissary that he doesn't always enjoy, and that comes to play here. And then Shattered Mirror, another episode into the Mirror Mirror universe, although this one was like, it was okay. It was, you know, uh, Jennifer from the Mirror Mirror universe, uh, Cisco's ex-wife, or Jake's mother, who is dead in our universe, she meets Jake it's all a ploy to get Cisco over to the Mirror Mirror universe because they developed a defiant and they want um, they want him to help fix it so that they can go up against, you know, the big bad Federation in the Mirror Mirror universe. So we just got a lot of scenes that are always fun to play off of, but it's not a strong Mirror Mirror episode. It's not as strong as some of the other ones. And that's it. That's it for this look at Star Trek Deep Space Nine Season 4. As I mentioned, I'm going to start powering through Voyager Season 2. Basically, I already have my list. Uh, I'm going to rewatch the ones that I put on a list as my favorites, and all the other episodes I'm just going to kind of skim through. So hopefully it won't take me as long. Um, this episode, as I mentioned, is a regular Dale Rios episode. The next one you will hear will be a digest episode. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Send me some email, peter at the dailyrios.com or leave a comment on the website. Let me know what you thought of season four. Don't fill me in on anything that happens later. I will watch it. Um, I don't want to be spoiled. So happy to be back to finally uh, re-watching more Deep Space Nine and Star Trek. This has been the Dale Rios episode 569. Talk to you soon.